Welcome, friends, to the Life on Purpose podcast. I'm so excited to start my third season with you. This year, we are focusing on the word confidence, how to get more of it, and where we are currently seeking it. The goal is to bring you some incredible conversations that will provide you with newfound wisdom, guidance, and resources. And on this third season of Life on Purpose podcast, we want to keep you inspired and remind you that everything you are looking for is on the other side of fear. It is my privilege, as always, to be a part of your journey to living with courage, hope, and confidence this year. And the beginning we all know to living with confidence starts with recognizing what is keeping us stuck. And for a fun, quick way to get started, hop over to my website at amydebrick.com and take my quiz, Are You Stuck in Your Comfort Zone? You can also access other free resources while you're there or grab a copy of my book, Embolden. Enjoy. Well, welcome, friends. This morning on the Life on Purpose podcast, I am talking with Shannon Payton. Of course, this is our second run. She's such a sweetheart. (laughs) Not only does she make me laugh, but she also has a lot of grace, clearly because we recorded this once and it didn't stick. So she's back for another day. So good morning, Shannon. I'm so uh, excited to talk to you again. Good morning. I am excited to be back and it's going to be great. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was so good last time. I was almost (laughs) mad because I was like, dang, nobody's going to hear this great conversation. But the upside was being able to talk to you twice. Right. um, Because it was so good. So I'm I'm thrilled (laughs) that you're here. I'm so excited. before we really kind of dive in, because yep. you are literally like, to me, the social media queen of, of comedy right now, I <laughs> refer to you in my household as the female Tim Hawkins oh, or John it. Christ. Um, you're just so funny. You're just so naturally funny. Um, it makes me want to wish I was, you're my neighbor. Um, uh, we, <laughs> we, would oh, yeah, we would have fun. Oh yeah, we would have fun. <laughs> I could just feel it. But before we dive into all of that and how you kind of just skyrocketed with this comedy on Instagram and TikTok, um, give a little bit of a background to the listeners if you can. Um, okay. So I am Shannon Payton and I'm a mom of three kiddos and a wife. And I, uh, do you want a background of kind of how the social media part started or do you want my to dive into my background background now. Well, first, just if you want to even just do a little like bio, like wife, mom, Hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and then we'll go into all of that. Sure. Okay. So I'm a wife and a mother of three kiddos and, um, I'm a realtor in Northern California. So that's my, my real job still. Uh, but I also like a social media person now. So I'm loving that, that side of, uh, the, the fun hobby part of my life that I am currently going into, but it's been busy and fun and crazy. Yeah. Doing so all the I know in addition <laughs> to your realtor, um, that's funny. You're like, that's who I really am. That's my uh-huh. real person job right now. <laughs> um, I don't see that saying that for that long with your influence I- status where it I hope so. went out of control, but uh, no. I know you also, um, talk a little bit. I've seen it in your skits mm-hmm. about, um, your childhood and how you were raised mm-hmm. in a cult. And so before we dive into all of that, because that is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say, and I said this before that your humor is something that I look forward to every day. It's 
even with you kind of sprinkling in some serious and hard topics, mm-hmm. I think we, we are craving it. We are craving to see that person who is you bringing a light to, to women today. And just mm-hmm. with all of the stuff that we see on social media, all the perfection, and, and we all do it. We all get caught up in it. You know I mean? I'm just like everybody else. Yeah. It is so refreshing. You're like a breath of fresh air coming on. You're so self-deprecating. And maybe for all these, for all the people who were raised like I was with self-deprecating humor and mm-hmm. a little bit of sarcasm, Oof. and you're able to laugh at yourself. But when you see somebody doing that, you know, it's it's all fine and dandy in your own home. But when you're willing to put that out there for other people to see, that's the gift right there. I mean, yeah. total gift. So <laughs> I, I know that, that it shifts from like, I know you're a realtor, but now, you know, you have a new label, which is influencer. Crazy. You know, that's different. What, what does that right. felt like for you? Well, I feel like the least influencer person <laughs> in the world. So it still <laughs> makes me laugh um, when people refer to me as an influencer, but I do, um, you know, at first it was just fun. And, and I've had that, I've had my Instagram account for years and years, but what happened is when the pandemic hit and we were all stuck at home, I started doing more videos and I had a couple go viral. And that's when I started like getting all these fans and it really kind of took off. And so it started as just simply my humor, putting it out there to the world, like, cause why not? And it turned into kind of this platform where I'm like, Whoa, I feel like I've been given this, this huge platform with all these people. And, um, the fun and comedy is what it's about, but at the same time, like it goes deeper than that. So I kind of started sharing a little bit more about my story and the more comfortable I got with it, the more I shared. And then people started reaching out, um, about all different topics of my story. And I realized, okay, this really is like an influencer type thing where, you know, it might not be that I'm telling people exactly what kind of eyeliner to wear, but I could be, you know, supporting them through different, um, times in their life that might be a struggle and I can do that. And I, I heal personally myself with humor. And so that's kind of what I call it is like my humor therapy. And I just, um, I'm happy to bring that to other people because I love seeing people laugh. And it still amazes me that like, I get to, I get to be a part of that. Right. So let's talk just for a brief minute, your, your viral videos. I know there's been a few, but the mm-hmm. one actually, and this is so funny. I'm, I'm not even, I, I mean, I know I gushed last time. It was almost embarrassing. So it's probably good that nobody's <laughs> seeing these videos, but um, I was actually just talking to a friend of mine after we recorded that first one that didn't end uh-huh. up speaking. And I was saying, oh, I had Shannon Payton on and blah, blah, blah. And she does these funny videos. And she said a couple that went viral. And aside, she's like, oh my gosh, have you ever seen that one video where the mom is like packing her kids lunch and then she puts a white claw in there? And I'm like, that's her. <laughs> she's like, what? So was yes. that the first video that went viral or was there another one? Um, There was another one. There's one where like right in the midst of pandemic and being at home where I'm like sliding across the floor towards alcohol, like my face (laughs) smashed on the ground. And it said something about like, 
I don't know that when the husband asks how my day is going sure. and that was, that was the first one. But then the lunch one is the one that really took off on multiple platforms. Okay. And that's when my numbers started really growing is after that one. Yeah. But that was a fun that- one. And that was so random too, because it was like one in the morning. I couldn't sleep. I'm down in the kitchen and looking, you know, at TikToks right. and was like, oh, this is kind of ridiculous. I'm going to, I'm going to duet this one and see how it goes. I wasn't expecting it to be crazy, of course. <laughs> but it was so real because I yeah. mean, we're all trying to do that. It doesn't matter if you're stay at home mom or you're working mom, we're yes. all trying to pack that, you know, wheelicious looking lunch where yep. everything's coming from homemade and it's packaged beautifully in the whole nine yards. And then <laughs> when the execution hits, it's like, <laughs> okay, uh, take that bunch of celery with you to school. It's not even right. Washed, you know what I mean? You're just shoving right. your stuff in. So oh, it yeah. was just genius, total mm-hmm. genius. I love that. Thank um, you. Well, it was fun. Okay. So let's dive into a little bit. So in addition to these humorous videos, and, mm-hmm. and by the way, you mentioned about not showing people how to put eyeliner on, but you do, you do some <laughs> target tutorials and the hair and makeup, which I totally love. <laughs> and I totally love how you have the security in yourself. And this is a tough, you know, cutthroat environment. I know you've gotten mm-hmm. some really negative feedback. You have to learn mm-hmm. how to deal with that, but you are secure enough to call out sometimes some of that negative feedback. And you did that on a post Mm -hmm. where somebody must have mentioned about, you know, was it putting makeup on or something before you do these videos and you made a joking, you know, like a humorous Mm -hmm. video outside of that criticism. And I thought, you know, gosh, that is really something. And what a great thing for all of our young people to see, especially our young daughters and older daughters that are scrolling through here and like, wow, here she's calling out the criticism and she's like, you know what? This is me. Yes, exactly. And that's love that. I know it's, and it's, it's just part of who I am too. And and I have two daughters as well. And it's like, I don't want them to see me having to like do a full face of makeup sure. just to do a TikTok video. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with putting makeup on. I love, you know, when I right. get fancy or whatever, but it's not me, my normal day-to-day routine. So why would I do it just to do a TikTok video? I don't want my girls seeing me do that. So yeah, that was a yeah. big part of, of that. I love yeah. that. I know. Well, let's talk a, a little bit about <laughs> your childhood, because I yeah. know that that was very interesting. It wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you, you mentioned in one of your actual videos that you, and you did it in like, this, you're like dancing and you're like, I was raised in a cult. <laughs> I, I, I'm no longer in it. And I right. was like, wait, why By the way, like, yeah. replay that. So talk a little bit about that because that's obviously not an everyday occurrence. I know people have different mm-hmm. that they deal with, but you know, getting out of a cult, uh, that's, that's pretty huge. Yes. So I was raised in basically a really high control religious group, um, which of course now I refer to as a cult because it was, but we, I was born into it. My parents were both born into it and uh, it's kind of started my grand in my grandparents' generation. And it started as something I think pretty good, it, you know, kind of like a home Bible study where sure. they got together. They didn't want to, you know, they wanted like a non-denomination type type group. So I think it started as a pretty innocent thing. And then in the late seventies, uh, early eighties, uh, a leader took over that just, it kind of went downhill from there. 
So what I remember of it, of course, is not, I don't have great memory. I mean, there, we have some fun memories, but it was not a great way to grow up. Um, it was very controlling, pretty much. You didn't make your own decisions. Decisions are made for you. And so it really did not prepare us for life as adults at all. And, um, it was just like, I was bullied from a really young age at school because we had to dress with like long skirts and, um, shirt, you know, sleeves and no makeup, no, like you couldn't cut your hair, no nail polish, all, all the kind of basic things that you get in groups like this. And then, um, we married pretty much you're married within the group. There were a few that married outside, but not, didn't happen very often. So you kind of, from a young age, you know, like, okay, what are my options? Who am I going to be marrying here? So by the time I was 12, I knew who I was going to be marrying and yeah. And so I never had a boyfriend before him. It was just like, this is what it is. And, um, so I joke about like, you know, we're like tag, he's mine because you're like, I don't know, you know, the options are pretty slim, so I better grab one while I can. That's so, so, funny. so, um, so we, and so we got married young too for, I actually like kind of was an old maid. Cause I waited until I was 19 to get married. A lot of my friends were 17, wow, eight, 18. Um, but I waited till I got out of high school, but I was engaged in high school and then we got married. I was 19 and you go from living with your parents, uh, to move it in with this person and you're not prepared for it all. We didn't every, all of our relationships were very superficial. So even some of the friendships now from my past that I still have are now at a deeper level because once we got out and we like made our own choices, we could create real relationships where back then, even the people I would call friends, very superficial relationships. We didn't talk about anything deep. Uh, and you just, you're kind of afraid to, to go any uh, on a deeper level with anyone because you never knew what would happen with it. Uh, and the main thing that they held over us, as far as like, people always ask, you know, why, why did you stay? What was, you know, what were the reasons? And basically our whole life was this group. So like me and my, uh, yeah, my sisters and I, we went to public school, but not everyone did. Some of the families did most did homeschool, but even though we went to public school, we didn't have friends from school. We weren't allowed to do extracurricular, extracurricular activities, like no sports or so you didn't have other friends besides the ones that were in the group. So your whole life was this group and the biggest biggest consequence that they held over you was, um, to be marked and marking was basically like an excommunication where, or like a shunning, you know, where you're not allowed to talk to the person. Uh, and that happened to my family or part of my family in the mid eighties. And I, it's my dad's sister. And then she had married his best friend. And their family got marked in the mid eighties. And it was really weird as a kid because I was like best friends with one of my cousins in that family. And I was very young, but I still have memories. And we would always go to grandma and grandma's together because we were the same age. And then all of a sudden I didn't ever see him again. And it was just really weird 
to, you know, being best friends with someone and then you're, you never see him. So it was very, very confusing as a child and just really, really hard and weird, but that's what they held over us is basically you don't do what we say. And if you're marked, you're not hanging out with anyone that, you know, like, and that was a very scary thing when this is your people to know, even though it was weird, you just, you wouldn't, it was weird. So So that was kind of how growing up was. It was just very guilt-ridden, like very shameful. Anything you did was you'd have to go up front, like that wasn't approved or whatever. You'd have to go in the front of the congregation and confess. And like, it was very shameful. So it really created some interesting type people um, with that kind of control, But while we were in the cult, so I didn't get out until I was 30. So when we were in there, we, um, you know, right after you get pregnant in a situation like that, I mean, (laughs) right after you get married, you basically like the next thing is you get pregnant and you start having kids. So that was kind of next on our agenda and we couldn't, so we didn't get pregnant for about, well, for three years, we went through infertility treatments. And that was like a huge, very, very lonely part of my life. Because again, I had very superficial relationships with everyone I knew. So I didn't feel like I could talk to anyone. So we just kept it kind of quiet and we still had to go to all of our meetings because you always did. And so I just felt really, really sad during that time. Like I didn't have anyone to talk to. We weren't allowed allowed to have like outside counseling or anything like that. So it was just a really, really lonely time. Uh, but we made it through. So we, we never got pregnant. I got, I, I got pregnant once, but, um, I think they call it biochemical, you know, it didn't stick basically. So, but that was a long, many years and just, I don't even know, like looking back and that's why I like want to be a support to other people. When I look back, I'm like, how did I even survive that? Like, that was so miserable to be so alone in a really, really hard, um, hard situation for people to go through. Right. So that, uh, let's see. So that was infertility. So then after that, we decided to adopt because we could not, we wanted a family. So we went through um, our, we went through an adoption agency the first time around because we didn't have a clue what we were doing. And it was much different back then too. This is, you know, 15, 16 years ago. And, you know, now you could probably find just about anything on the internet, but back then it was very, it was very different. So that was a hard process. And again, all over again, we felt very alone going through this. We didn't know anyone that had adopted and it was just, again, another very alone feeling and stretch of time for us. Uh, so do you just want me to keep going and going and going? I can ask you a question in between and then we can pick it up. But yeah, I mean, I actually was going to ask you when you're talking yeah. about the loneliness of not only, well, first of all, adolescence back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you're just saying in general, you know, I mean, we, everybody feels awkward and insecure and all of that in adolescence. Now you're dealing with that to the umpth degree because you don't even have the 
ability or choice to even try to connect with somebody outside of who you know. Um, So when you got married, which I find so interesting at a young age, you know, you and your husband both came from the same setting. So is it, was it a natural progression that you guys grew together and you could trust each other and have more deeper or was it hard? I mean, who are we kidding? Marriage is hard in the best beginning circumstances. Um, I would imagine you both had some guards up. I mean, that's such an awkward beginning. And then having something major like infertility to struggle with and add that right to the plate, you know, that's another interesting dynamic. Like, did you guys ever um, grieve or struggle apart? Or did, do, would you say this really kind of connected you together? Because I know eventually you both end up leaving, but at this point you're still in it. You're still in that cult. So it's really just the two of you. Right. And it, um, marriage was very hard. And to be quite honest, the last two and a half years, we've done some serious, serious work and growth and are now, you know, now I'm 41, the happiest I've ever been in my marriage. And, uh, so no, it was rough, but you would never, ever, you, you, we wouldn't talk about it. It was just like, this is life. This is what we do. But no, it was awful. It was extremely painful. And even with my husband, like it was hard because we've always been such good friends. Like we could always have a great time together and love going places. And, but even for us, we never really had a deep relationship. And again, really the last three years, two and a half, three years, has been the first for us in a truly different kind of relationship after being married, you know, 22 years. And so, so no marriage was very hard. And, and even within a marriage going through like infertility, let's say with another person, you did have each other, but you kind of didn't either. Cause like, we did not have a deep real good, meaningful relationship. And that's another reason I think like, how did we even survive that? Because it was, it was, it was hard. It was really, really hard. Well, that's it for us today, friends. If today's episode or any other episode has left you feeling encouraged and inspired, please consider rating, reviewing, or subscribing to Life on Purpose with Amy Debrick from your favorite listening platform. The mission, as always, of Life on Purpose is to meet you where you are, but not leave you there, and let you know that although fear is normal, courage gets the final say. See you next time. 